This is Pastor Chris Simak from the Potter's House Eastside. This sermon was recorded on Easter Sunday morning on the 4th of April 2021. The sermon title is Because He Lives. Hallelujah. Absolutely love that song. Would you turn uh, in your Bibles with me to John chapter 14? John chapter 14, verse 19. John chapter 14, verse 19. Hallelujah. Resurrection Sunday, very, very exciting. Uh, all that God has done. Uh, I read this story and it said, as a man was driving his children to church on Easter Sunday, he was trying to explain what Easter was uh, to his children. He said, we celebrate Easter because Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive today. And his little kid from the back seat said, uh, will he be in church today, daddy? And the question, that's the question and the aim of every single service. The aim of every single service is that Jesus Christ would be in the building. The aim of every single life and every single Christian should be, how can I not only serve a religious idea, but Jesus is alive and I want him to be alive in my life. If all we had was some good teachings, if all we had was some good morals, if all we had was some good values, then all we have is just another religion, just another framework, just another way of thinking. But instead, what we have is peace. We have power. We have the promises of God. Why? Because, his, because He lives. Because He's alive. Now I want to preach a sermon I've entitled here this morning. Because he lives, because he lives. One verse of scripture, but we're going to keep it open right there. In John chapter 14, verse 19, the words of Jesus, he says, A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. Hallelujah. Let's pray here this morning. Father God, I ask you right now. That you would have your hand upon us, my God. God, would you give us a revelation of the resurrection? God, would you give us a revelation that you are not just some idea or some historic figure, but God, it is because you live that we can have power here today. Oh, God, give us a revelation of all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's look firstly together. That because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. The first line of the song uh, that you just heard uh, was because he lives, I can face tomorrow. It, the song says, because I know that he holds the future. And I want to tell you that there is hope for tomorrow. I want to tell you that there is hope for tomorrow. Can you say amen? It's because he lives. Verse 19, he says, a little while longer 
and the world will see me no more. Jesus, this was no surprise to him. He knew what was coming. This verse right here is in the context, John chapter 14 of the Last Supper. Last week, we heard from John chapter 12, and it was Palm Sunday, and everybody was celebrating. A couple days have gone past. It's Thursday night. It's Thursday night, uh, early morning, um, early, late in the night on Thursday, early in the morning on Friday. And here they're having the Last Supper. Where we pick up our verse here in John chapter 14, verse 19, Judas has just left the table. They've just found out that he's the betrayer. Peter has just found out that he's going to deny Jesus three times. But yet in this time, in John chapter 14, 15 and 16, Jesus gives us some of the greatest truths of the Bible. Here in this time, as the disciples, uh, they can feel that something is coming. They can feel this sense, this foreboding. They must have seen that there was tragedy ahead. And here the disciples, they're facing uncertainty. There might be change coming ahead. Nothing seems to look as it used to look like. What's going on here? We have the the gang together and now we've been together for three years. Judas is off. Peter's doing this. Jesus is talking about being crucified. What is going on here? We can't believe he abandoned us, Judas. There's separation coming ahead. They start to feel distant. The disciples, they start to feel lonely. Even fearful of the future. Anxious. About what's going to come. And right here in chapter 14, Jesus senses this. And in verse 1 of chapter 14, he says something. And then in verse 27, he repeats it again. And he says these words, let your heart not be troubled. Because he says to his disciples, listen, I know what's coming ahead, but don't let your heart be troubled. He gives the disciples Words of hope in a hopeless hour. And the miracle, the miracle is here, 2021, uh, thousands of years later, that those same words of hope are the same for every single one of us. In chapter 16, as he's giving them these words of hope, he says, your sorrow will be turned to joy. When? When will your sorrow be turned to joy? It's when you have the revelation that I am alive and not dead. He says that in chapter 16 that they're going to have a joy that nobody can take away. Not only am I not dead, but that I've conquered sin and death. I mean, this is incredible news for the disciples. He's telling them, because I live, you can have peace. The way that you see me alive right now, he says, yes, these things are going to happen, but don't you worry. I live. Don't let your hearts be troubled. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, these things I've spoken to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
In John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, disciples, because I live, because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Can you say amen? He was real with the disciples about the persecution that was coming. There was a time that was going to be difficult, disciples. There was a time coming ahead that was going to be a hard time. We think that we may have had, had it hard over the last couple of years. <laughs> I want to tell you that here they, they lived under persecution. They lived under constant threat of death and different things just for being a Christian. And he says, listen, because I live, you will live also. You can face tomorrow with all of its uncertainty because you have the certainty that I'm alive. The reason for the security of the spiritual life is because he lives. We read in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. It says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That means, listen church, that every promise... Every promise that he made, every miracle that he did, all power that he showed while he was alive on earth uh, is the same yesterday, today and forever. Why? Because he lives. It doesn't change. Tomorrow doesn't take him by surprise. It's not like things happen in your life and Jesus says, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that one coming. That took me by surprise. That's a pretty big mess that you made there. (laughs) I don't know if I can fix that one. You see, Jesus, he knows the beginning from the end and he is the king of yesterday, today and forever. Can you say amen? Let's look secondly at because he lives, I can have assurance. Not insurance, but assurance. Because he lives, I can have assurance. I know that I've used this illustration before, uh, but it's such a fantastic illustration that you're going to have to bear with me and uh, listen to it again. There was, a, there was a man that went on vacation to the Holy Land in Israel with his wife and her mother-in-law and her mother The mother-in-law, she died from a heart attack while they're on vacation. The couple went to a local undertaker and he was explaining, listen, I can ship the body home for $1,500 or we can bury her here in the Holy Land for $150. What do you want to do? And the man thought about it for a long time and he got back to the undertaker and he said, listen, uh... We need to ship her home. And the undertaker surprised. He said, are you sure? It's not that big a deal. We can bury her here, give her a good burial. It's a very big expense to ship her home. And the man looked him straight in the eye and he said, look, I know. But 2000 years ago, there was a guy buried here. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. And I just can't take any chances. And this man knew something 
that many Christians don't seem to realize. And that is if that Jesus is alive, it changes things. If Jesus is alive, there's consequences to that. There's things that change. People ask, why does it matter that Jesus is alive or not? What is the difference if Jesus lives or not? I read this quote and it said, The resurrection doesn't just give us a future hope of our own resurrection, but the fact that Jesus is a living person has tremendous significance for our own lives in the present. In the present. Listen to this. The resurrection is not just a future hope, but a present reality. And let me tell you that because He lives, I can face tomorrow, but in the same way, because He lives, I can face today. Because He lives, I can face the things in my life. I can have an assurance. C.H. McIntosh wrote these words. And he said, there is power in the presence of a risen Savior to solve our difficulties, to remove our perplexities, to calm our fears, to ease our burdens, to dry our tears, to meet our every need, to tranquilize our minds and to satisfy every craving of our hearts. Because he lives, I can have an assurance. An assurance of what? Listen, I already spoke of an assurance of peace, an assurance of overcoming that Jesus. I mean, if he did not raise from the dead, then every promise he ever made to us would be void. But because he lives, we can have an assurance of victory. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, it says that we can have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How are you going to have Victory through a dead Savior? How are you going to have victory through some historic figure? I want to tell you, it's because He's none of those things. He's alive, He's risen, and He's with us here today. We can have assurance of freedom. We quote this and we say this in John 8 36. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. I want to tell you, if Jesus is not alive, then you're still bound in your sin. It's because He lives that we could be set free. Because He lives, we can have assurance of dominion. In Romans chapter 16 verse 14, For sin will have no dominion over you. Again, that promise exists Because he lives, we can have an assurance of power. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. I also pray that you will understand. This is Paul writing to the Ephesian church. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in place of honor at the right hand in, of God in the heavenly realms. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in our lives today. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then there is no power. Because he lives, we can have an assurance of strength. 
Philippians chapter 14, verse 3, we know this well, and my kids could quote this, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Mia, I should get up Mia to come up and give her her best strengthens me face. It's very, very cute. But again, we read these verses and we say them like they're a motivational thing. But I want to tell you, it's much more than just motivational. The reason you have strength through Christ is because He lives. Because He's alive and He wants to work in your life and have relationship with you today. Because He lives, I can have an assurance of hope. In Hebrews chapter 16, verse 19, this hope that we have as an anchor for the soul both sure and steadfast through Jesus. We have this hope. And one final one, because he lives, we can have an assurance of rest. We read this verse. You may have even said this verse to somebody while you're witnessing. You said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? That's an incredible verse. But let's go back. The resurrection is not just a future hope. It's a present reality. So that means when he says, come, how are we going to come? To what? A dead man? A statue? Uh, A cross? Uh, that somehow is a memory of Jesus. We're not going to the, to the headstone and hoping that Jesus hears us. We're speaking to the risen King of Kings because He's alive. We don't have to go on a pilgrimage to Israel to hopefully try and get close to Jesus. We don't have to go there. That's a fantastic thing. And one day I'd love to do it. But I don't have to go on a pilgrimage to go and find Jesus. He's here today because he's alive. There have been other great and spiritual and ethical teachers throughout history. Socrates, Confucius, Buddha, Muhammad. All over the world you'll find men and women that have said important things and have had followers. You know one thing that they all have in common? They're all dead. They're all dead. Their followers can try and read about their ideas. They can try and go to some statue or some temple. They can try and implement those ideas, but they can't actually have these people as teachers or as companions. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead, which means that he is with us every step of the way of the journey. Hallelujah. Let me look finally with you then at because he lives. I live. Because he lives, I live. In verse 20 of our text, he gives this throwaway verse that on one sense you can look at it uh, on the surface and then you go deeper and, and, and there's so much that you could pull out of this. But this morning I just want to focus on this in verse 20 of our text. 
He says, and that day you will know that I am in the Father, you in me, and I in you. D.L. Moody, in his commentary on this verse, he says, you in me is the believer's standing and I in you is the believer's strength. Let me say that in another word. You in me, you in Christ, gives us assurance, a foundation. If you are not in Christ, then there is no assurance. If you are not in Christ, there is no foundation. The only foundation and the only assurance that you have is in yourself, in your own mind and in your own strength. You in me is my assurance. If you're in Christ, you can have a strong foundation. I in you is the strength that Jesus gives us. Not only does he say, build your life upon the teachings that I've had, but then I will dwell in you and give you the strength that you need. No other teacher in history, no other religion can promise that. Because all you have in religion is teaching and morals and uh, principles and things that you can try to build on top of a foundation. But Jesus says our relationship is much more than you reading a book. Is much more than you just trying to follow some things. I want you to build your foundation on that and then I am going to live in you. Hallelujah. Life is worth the living because he lives. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul is writing to the Galatian church and he's explaining this very principle that Jesus Christ is now living in me. He says this in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We know that faith, faith is a mysterious word that equals trust. He says, I live by faith in the Son of God. What does that mean? It means I used to live by this You fill in the blank. I used to live by trusting in this, but now I live by trusting in the Son of God. I live by trusting in Jesus. But you can't trust a dead person. You can't trust just someone that there's no relationship with. And I want us to have that revelation today that it's so much more than just songs that we sing and you've conquered the grave and when you explain to people you know what it's not about religion it's about relationship and that's exciting uh, but that, do you really believe that because if you have a relationship with Jesus it changes everything you see you can have a friendship with Jesus we can trust him I can know all about Abraham Lincoln or or some other historic figure. But I can't trust him because I have no relationship with him. 
We have a relationship. If Jesus is alive, if I can know Him personally, then that changes everything. Relationship, not religion. It's the difference between uh, saying prayers and praying. It's the difference between singing some songs and worshipping. It's the difference between uh, having a Bible reading or even listening to a sermon and hearing God speak. It's the difference between changing my external behavior. It's the difference between changing my external behavior and having an internal transformation. It's the difference between uh, changing my habits and changing my heart. It's the difference between knowing about God and knowing about Jesus versus actually knowing Jesus. We have to stop thinking of Jesus as a, as a historical figure. And I know we're saved and we're good people here this morning. And, and, and sometimes you can fall into this trap. That you learn all about Jesus. It's a work of academia. I read my Bible to learn about the theology and the teachings of Jesus. And the these and the that. Uh, but you know that you could know Jesus. Have relationship with Him through the Word of God. We have to start seeing Him as a living person. He's alive. That we can know and trust if Jesus is dead, then the stories of his life are at best inspirational. You hear people say this all the time. Yeah, yeah. Nobody denies that Jesus lived and died. Uh, it, even atheists will believe that Jesus lived and died. But you know what? He was very inspirational. You know what? That's nice. But there's a lot of inspiration in the world. I need something that has power to change me today. Not just inspiration. But everything is different if he's alive. Let me read you this final story here. There was a pioneer missionary that went to Africa. He was taking the gospel to a brand new tribe in the middle of the deep jungle in the far north. And he arrived at a village uh, that was a point beyond where most people refused to go. He was already further into the jungle than most people had gone. And the missionary appealed to the local chief. And he said, listen, chief, I want to get into this village even further into the jungle. Do you have anybody that could act as a guide that could take me there? And the chief summoned the man. This man called, he called him, he came up to the chief. And the missionary looked at him. This man was tall, but man, he was scarred all over his body. Scratched, scarred. And he comes carrying a large axe. And the bargain was made. And the next morning, the missionary and this massive scarred man, they set off through the bush. And the missionary was following the new guide. All of a sudden, the way that they were going became increasingly dangerous. 
They all he could see was uh, the forest around him. All he could see was the jungle. All he could see was trees. There was no path. There was no nothing. And this man was just chopping his way through uh, the missionary. At one point, he got so panicked and he stopped the man. And he asked the guide and he said, Are you sure that you know the way? Listen to this. The man with all of his height, came up to the missionary, pulled himself up at full height, and he said, white man, he said, you see the axe in my hand, you see the scars on my body, with this axe, I blaze the trail to the tribal village which we go. I came from there. These scars I received were received when I made the way. You ask me if I know the way, He says, before I came, there was no way. I am the way. Let's bow our heads here as we pray.